Merry Christmas, Bears fans, and happy holidays. Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak with you on a Thursday edition of Bears All Access. We're brought to you by IGS Energy here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Uh, thanks, as always, to our producers, Jordan Treadup, Dan Barilli, and the folks here at The Score. They do a great job, and thank you all for listening. We're coming up on Sunday in Seattle, uh, they call it Boxing Day, Tom. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but uh, there is such a thing. It's back from the 1800s, workers would have the day after Christmas would get boxes, their gifts from their employers, and they'd get these big boxes of stuff. So it's called Boxing Day. First I've ever heard of it. Well, I appreciate the explanation and the history <laughs> lesson that I should have probably paid attention to in eighth grade or something, but that one went over the top of me. But So happy Boxing Day to everybody and the yeah. great Northwest. Yeah, yeah, I'll be expecting the day after Christmas a big box of something from you, Tom. How about it? How about we'll a Bears win? That'll be nice in a box. I I'll, I take a Bears win in a box, in a bag, in a balloon, <laughs> in a shopping cart. Any way you want to deliver it to me, Big Jeff, I'll be right beside you gladly to All take right. it. Coming up in our next couple of segments, we'll be joined by Bears rookie cornerback Thomas Graham Jr. And then later in the program, former Seattle receiver Michael Bumpus, now on the Seahawks radio network as the pre- and post-game host. And we're going to hear a little Bears defensive lineman, Bilal Nichols. He happens to be on the COVID-19 list. It was an interview I did with him last week. And news today, Akeem Hicks goes on that list now, Tom. So will not be in the game uh, this week. Uh, a couple guys come off, Andy Dalton and Mario Edwards Jr. Sam Kamara also off that list. He goes to the active roster and Ladarius uh, Mack goes to the practice squad. So, again, out a couple of defensive linemen against uh, Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, you know, they're fortunate they did get back Mario Edwards Jr. I'm sure he's fresh and ready to play, and uh, hopefully he can have the bounce to the defensive line that Akeem Hicks did last week against the Minnesota Vikings. But what a shame. What a shame to him only be around for the Minnesota Vikings game. And, uh, you know, hopefully he'll be around for the Giants in the next Minnesota game. But, you know, the the first concern of everything is Akeem's health, so that's all, that. I just wish the best for that. Artie Burns and Duke Shelley also coming off that list earlier in the week, so more options in the secondary as well. Uh, we're all interested, and in, you know, Jermaine Effetti met the media today, Tom, and he talked about what he, you know, he knows Russell Wilson. He protected him for four years. Uh, he's intrigued by the Justin Fields Russell Wilson matchups as he wishes it was a national televised game because. I think he sees similarities there, and that's been a topic all week. What are the similarities? Uh, I don't know what you feel about, about it because they're different body types, in my opinion. Uh, obviously, a, a, a guy in Russell Wilson established himself a Super Bowl champion, the whole bit, done a great job using that athleticism, but also just being able to pull the trigger from the pocket and lead his team, an outstanding leader. For the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, but Jeff, you know, we've been fortunate to have a long enough broadcasting career, but we've been around for the entirety of these players, uh, the length of their um, career. And when you think of um, Russell Wilson, what he was doing to the Bears at the beginning of his career, how of a well-conditioned athlete he was, how that took a toll on the Bears as a defense and many opponents around the National Football League, if Justin has the potential to grow into a player like Russell Wilson... I think it would benefit Bears for years to come. Offensive coordinator Bill Lazor also expected to be back this week uh, earlier today on what he expects to see and what he expects from Justin Fields in the final three games of the season. Well, I, I would go everything. Constant <clears throat> development, though that would be the boring answer. You know, I think uh, some of the stuff you, you see from the game is only learned from experience, which is here's the play. I don't like what I see right here. How do I how do I keep my thread of running 
and make it a, a really positive for the offense? How do I make sure that uh, worst case scenario, I take someone just gets lucky and tackles me for a very small sack and not a big one. You know, we just, we just, I just think as an offense, you know, you see the big errors that hurt us. And, and so, uh, but no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all excited about uh, continued growth, continued development, coach every detail. It is like I said, that, that the first answer was the boring answer. It is a little bit boring because it's just a grind. You know, Coach Steve Filippo just grinds them all the time, and that's that's how that's how we all get better. Out of that conversation, Tom, for me, what I pull out is too. You know, if you are going to get sacked, and, and Seattle has a as a, a defense that can't sack the quarterback, you know, limit the damage. Can't have the big 14, 15 yard sacks. Yeah, uh, or Justin, fall into the rhythm of the offense. Know your initial read. Know your secondary read quickly. And then if you do have to eject the pocket, use your God-giving ability to make the most out of the play. So it is a grind because when you look at a playbook and you hear Matt Nagy talk or any of these coordinators along the line, you have a selection or three or 400 plays throughout the course of a career and a lifetime. And the grind is learning every one of those plays perfectly so you can master them and then used to the rhythm of the offense every time you call one. Sean Desai, also uh, a big topic of conversation today was Roquan Smith. He's miffed. He says it's a travesty that he wasn't named to the Pro Bowl. I know how you feel about it. All pros better than Pro Bowl popularity contest. But there is something about it, you know, that kind of lingers with guys. Alec Ogletree, same thing. You know, they're, they're, they're feeling there's an injustice here. Yeah, you know, that's, that's kind of the, the feeling you're going to have anytime you have a great player on your team and you feel that they're deserving of the Pro Bowl, but they don't make it. But you also have to face guys that have made it a multiple times over through the course of their career, and they're the first on their list when some of these people are voting, or they come from a big fan, uh, a, a town of, of fans that really get involved in the voting. I guarantee you if Roquan was on a team that had a 10-4 and four record rather than 4-10, and 10, he would be one of the first guys on the list. And listen, if Roquan Smith plays football at the level he's been playing and developing at the, develop, at the level he's been developing, I selfishly don't care if he ever makes a Pro Bowl because he means a lot to the Bears and he deserves it. Unfortunately, he didn't get voted in. Everybody can't. Bobby Wagner did. Micah Parsons, the rookie in Dallas, who plays all over yeah. the place. Uh, but Roquan, a pure inside guy. Uh, the other topic is, you know, can that secondary replicate what they did against Minnesota, against Seattle, and Russell Wilson and those receivers? You know, Jeff, you've been saying it every time I hear you talk, and as we talk together, it's gonna the front is going to have to help the back. And if the defensive line and can have that same aggressive approach, they can put the quarterback in a negative position when he's getting ready to throw the ball. Then the Bears' defensive backs are a, will be able to capitalize on that. It's no easy task. However, you know, it's kind of the opposite. It's going to be quiet in there when Russell is going through his signals. If the Bears can kind of fall into the rhythm of his cadence, then maybe they can have a get-off and really challenge this offensive line. Half of it is good. Half of it is susceptible. Yeah, they give up a lot of sacks. Some of that created by a guy who holds on to the football a long time, as long as he can, in Russell Wilson. All right, coming up next, we're going to be joined by Thomas Graham Jr. We'll talk secondary. We'll talk kid from Rancho Cucamonga, California. Thomas right. Graham Jr. coming up next on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. 
Welcome back to Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. Choose clean energy for your home at IGS.com because every good choice adds up to a better world. With Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak, counting you down to Bears and Seahawks, but pleased to be joined by Bears rookie cornerback Thomas Graham Jr. Thanks for joining us on uh, this day as you get ready to go out to the great Northwest, uh, your old stomping grounds out there, huh? <laughs> the Oregon. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, it's kind of weird, I'd imagine. Uh, we were wondering when you might get a chance to play, and then all of a sudden you, you have this game that uh, everybody's so proud to talk about, and you must be proud to have experienced uh, with your performance, seven tackles, three pass breakups, save a touchdown, and just show big. And now now you're a center of attention. You've gone from virtually nothing to the center of attention. Uh, are, you, are you cool with that? Are you, uh, is, it, is it enjoyable or is it easy for you? What's your, what's your thought? Um, I think it's just enjoyable um, more for the aspect of is I just had so many people um, just cheer me on through this whole time during the practice squad journey that I was just able to go out there and just let, let all of that out on the field and just show them, one, that I'm still here, but two, also that, like, your support mattered. And it's the reason why I was able to still carry around the confidence that I do and, and things like that. So that was kind of just more for the people that's just always been there for me more than just myself. I'm thinking your parents and your family. That's the first place because I – I hear a lot about uh, Team Graham, right? <laughs> yes, but it's not just parents, family. Uh, I, have, I have a really big community behind me, and I'm very thankful for it. It goes back to to my old teammates at Oregon and uh, my ground zero. So those are my boys from 7-on-7. Seven seven. So it, it kind of just a really big community, just the people, family, friends. Um, and, you know, I got to give all glory to God. So I was just glad I had everybody on my side. Thomas, how many snaps did you play? Uh, I can't give you the exact number, but it was a lot, a lot more than I've experienced the last two years. Right. If you don't know the number, do you know your best and your worst just from this week's experience? Like my best place, my worst place? Just, just want, you know, almost at the opposite end of the spectrum. Like I know this one good one that I had and I know this one I had that I have to, you know, learn from it or let, you know, don't, don't let it follow through. Oh, yes, most definitely. Um, I know all my bad plays. I knew it before we even stepped off the field. Uh, you know, I was happy with the game, but, like, nobody's ever played a perfect game. So it's just like you just got to keep stacking those what's names. And when you do make a play, it's just like you know your defense well enough to where you're protected. 64 snaps and five special teams. So he got a good <laughs> workout, Tom. Wow. <laughs> nice. You know, that double duty, I'm sure during your college career, you don't have a lot of double duty of regular <laughs> snaps and special teams. But – I think when you're climbing the ladder of NFL success, it's a great opportunity to get your jersey on the field more than just your defensive responsibility. Yes, I feel like uh, that's big, though, because also it's big plays made on both sides. And I think definitely being a younger dude and a younger guy, like you got to put in work to be able to only do certain things. And, you know, I'm here to pay my dues. What are the impressive things uh, listening to you yesterday we're with Thomas Graham Jr., the uh, rookie cornerback out of Oregon? Uh, made a big splash last week in the loss to Minnesota getting ready for Seattle was just how um, open you were about because you know from my experience and, and it starts at the combine I've gone to the last uh, you know how many 27 combines or whatever and corners are always uber confident right they have to be that you guys are on the island and you admitted that you know what confidence took a hit not not making that final roster and then just biding your time working every day um that's a that's an honest and rare reflection from a player, young or veteran, to say, "Hey, my confidence definitely took a hit." How, how do you frame that and put it in context? Um, it was it was just uh, 
going from just like, if you're just sick of my life, I've always been on top and everything is probably kind of, I wouldn't even say probably, majority of times it's always been on my side um, when it comes from God blessing me to be able to stay healthy to the fact of going to places to where everything is, is, is in my favor. Um, and I feel like this is an opportunity to where it just wasn't. Uh, and I had to find my way and dig out. And for me, my like the biggest motivation was it's just all every time I go home, all the little kids I work out with and stuff like that. What am I going to be able to go home and tell them? Uh, I can either tell them that I stayed and fought the whole time during practice squad. Or I can tell them I did what I had to do to, to get better every day or I can tell them I quit. So it was either one of those three choices. And I wasn't taking the last one. Did you buzz in uh, Deshae Townsend's ear a lot? Uh, it wasn't more buzzing. Um, he, he wanted to see me get better just as much as I wanted to see myself. So as long as I went out there and reached out to him, it'll be certain stuff. He'll reach out to me, Arda, Pops. Um, and then I've already said it uh, in pace. would just kind of give me uh, guys film to watch that that I, I felt mirror my game and he felt mirror my game. And some of them were the same. Some of them were different. When you're on the outside looking in, you're waiting for your opportunity. Physically, you're going to work on your skills every day in practice. But were you investing uh, personal time in watching tape of Bears defense so you understood whatever opportunity is presented to me from the, the slot corner to the outside that, you know, being mentally ready, I think, is as much of an important role as it being physically ready. Did that is that what the approach you took? Yes. And I'm, I'm very thankful for, for DT because in our meetings, um, he gets everybody involved. So no matter if you're on practice squad, no matter if you're Eddie Jackson, like, you go get involved and you go be involved in the meeting. So you go know the game plan. We always have to bring in a tip a week, um, have to take our little weekly test. So it's like, I've always, always involved in the game plan. The scheme has always been there. So then in practice, I kind of just took a focal point of just so one week working at corner, then nickel um, switching sides at corner and just doing as best as I can to make myself better. But also you feel me following the car because I was on scout team. What about Russell Wilson? When you look at Kirk Cousins, who you just, hey, man, you're, you're starting, you're playing tonight. You kind of know a little bit of the process to the plan. A little bit more versatility in a guy like Russell Wilson. Have you seen more of those guys throughout your college time, or is this a unique uh, challenge for you? Um, I've seen guys like him in my college time, but it's still one Russell Wilson. Um, and it's the reason why he's Russell Wilson. So it's just I got to start seeing what um, and I've been doing it more on film, but just kind of seeing what's more him um, and what certain stuff that I actually got to be listening with. And I think with him, the focus point is, is just staying plastered because he can make it a play. He can't escape. And he probably has the, the most beautiful deep ball in the NFL and then definitely outside the numbers. So if you have a quarterback like that, that can throw outside the numbers and you're a corner, just get ready for a long day. <laughs> Yeah, what 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 sticks out about that throw? I mean, uh, the the thing is, he waits, man. He does not. Uh, he doesn't mind getting popped. So, is that make it more difficult? Because you know, even with his finger injury, I guess Tom and I talked about this. He he's not as willing to leave the pocket, at least right now in the last few weeks. And maybe that's just because of his finger or whatnot. But you know, what what makes him hang in there and make it difficult then on a corner? Because uh, you really do have to plaster that coverage, don't you? Um, well, what makes it difficult is that he actually has those speedy receivers. So now it, it, he puts you and takes that that moment and um, the responsibility of the scheme to, to now out of it to where now this is one-on-one athletics. So now he stayed in there for that extra half a second to take the hit, to throw that ball. So now that ball is 50, 60 yards down the field. And now it's a track meet with you and DK Metcalf or you and Tyler Lockett. Um, and with those receivers, I think, 
those two combined are probably leading the NFL right now um, in deep ball catches and touchdowns since they have teamed up. So it's just like you got to be able to adjust to that. I'm smiling because you put DK Metcalf up there. And here's Tyler Lockett, who may have had the quietest three years in succession in the NFL. I mean, the guy's terrific. He's 5'9". He's had three straight 1,000-yard seasons. But he's tucked away up there in the great Northwest. Now, I, I know he's been a pro bowler and whatnot. But then you got DJ Metcalf, uh, DK Metcalf. My goodness. I mean, this is like something chiseled out of some chemistry uh, experiment. Uh, and we, we, we knew his dad. He played offensive line here for the Bears, Terrence Metcalf. So... But but what? How, how do you deal with that kind of size, speed, and uh, height ratio? Who can just fly by it and is very difficult to bring down to the ground. Um, you just got to come in there with confidence and just understand that everybody has a weakness, um, and you just got to be able to either try to find it or make him uncomfortable. Uh, and that's all you can do. You got to make it to where he can't use those abilities on you, and, and it's kind of hard because Seattle does a great job of making sure that he can, and that's why. He has been having success, and same for Tyler Lockett. Like that, no, I don't think anybody in the NFL can can really track the ball as deep as he can. Uh, he does a great job adjusting. It's it's crazy to see some of the throws and catches that him and Russ have together. So it's just like when you have somebody that's a freak of nature, and then somebody just has a God given gift with another God given gift behind it. It's hard. It, with Tyler, and if I'm not mistaken, the chemistry between those two, he'll throw to an area and expect him to run and get it. Is that and 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 that's got to be really challenging. It's very challenging. It was one play to where I, I can't even remember exactly what team it was, but it was man to man coverage of zero blitz, and he just threw it up in the middle of the field. And he made probably one of the most adjustment plays I've ever seen in my life. Like as a receiver, he faded. He faded inside like he was going to go on the over and faded all the way back five yards and make an over the shoulder catch, and it was just crazy. You dig in, right? You can't wait for the challenge. <laughs> Thomas Graham, yes. our guest. We're going to step away for a timeout here on Bears All Access with Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by Athletico Physical Therapy. Visit athletico.com to request an appointment in clinic or virtually and start feeling better tomorrow. With Thomas Graham Jr., the Bears cornerback, the rookie, making a big splash last week. Good to have him alongside. I'm Jeff Joniak, and he's Tom Thayer. You know, Thomas, right before the break, we you were kind of talking about the long ball that Russell Wilson throws and kind of what an art that is. The one thing that impressed me most about Justin Fields when he got here early is his passes over 25 yards and how accurate they were and how easily they seemed to come out of his hand. You've had opportunities to practice against him, even when he's being prepared for the opponent. Have you noticed anything like that out of him and is, you know, the unique quality that we're talking about? Yes, it is. I think both of them share it factor. Um, and I think that's kind of what, what helps with that, that deep ball because with that it factor, they, they actually trust their right receivers. Um, and I think that comes like very big because they allow them to make that play. So sometimes they'll throw that deep ball and it's out in front and then they play mind games with the quarterback as itself. So like with the cornerback as the quarterback, and which is crazy because sometimes they'll throw over the shoulder, they'll throw back shoulder. So it's just like you don't know which one to play. And when it gets to the point, if you don't know back shoulder is coming, it's a wrap. So just like with Justin's development, definitely over time, you can just see the more comfortability, the more trust he has with the receivers and being able to make those throws. And it's going to be a very special future for my boy, one. Right. It's interesting, too, not to lose sight, but a guy like Darnell Mooney and having a chance to watch his development. And he, to me, is one of the more creative ball after the catch 
ball carriers in the league. The way he can get you off balance, out of position, he can turn a two-yard catch into a 10-yard catch. Is it, It's kind of interesting to be able to go against Russell Wilson and what he's offering you, but you've also had an opportunity to practice against the guy that has feet like Justin and, and pass route running ability like Darnell. Uh, yes, it's, it's very I think it's, it's very good, definitely when it comes to my development, too, because I'm actually playing against two people that are putting themselves to be in the same shoes as a Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett. Um, that, that's already an established relationship like that, uh, just a two dominant force, a quarterback and receiver. Um, but they're just younger now, so it's just it's just their, the, the, the things that they have to adjust from and, and add to stack to their skill, they're already learning. But it's great to be able to go through that because it's helping me do the same. With top there, Jeff Joniak and Thomas Graham Jr., Bears cornerback with you on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Uh, let's go back into last week's game because I felt the, the, the DBs were flying around. They, you guys were hitting, flying around. It just looked fast. Uh, did the impact of the front seven, Akeem being back, and Robert Quinn getting so much attention now, and Roquan out of his mind, probably ticked off. He didn't get named to the Pro Bowl. <laughs> Just took it out on the Vikings. Uh, what was different about you guys? Uh, is it the new blood? Is it just the opportunity? Was it the game plan? Was it a mix of everything? Or did you feel the same way? I think it was a mix of everything. Um, the game plan uh, fit fit us perfectly. And then just the opportunity. We all we all have opportunity. I feel everybody on the team, um, from practice squad all the way up to the start, it feels like that they either want to start or they want to play in the game. So it was just like we have the opportunity in front of us, and that's kind of all we talked about. Definitely Sunday um, and then Monday is just Akeem, Rob. They said they're going out there and they're playing. They you, uh, playing like it, it's their last time playing because at the end of the day, they're vets, so they understand that this game can get taken away. And for us, it's like we're playing because we want the opportunity to keep playing. Uh, and I feel like that was kind of just the whole mindset of the defense um, on Monday night was just go out there and take advantage of your opportunity. Uh, Rob, uh, I said that Rob, bro has said it in the huddle before we had walked off. It's just like, it, y'all, it's some of you guys are the first opportunity, but as vets, we get the same opportunity. So now let's go out there and take advantage of it. Did you guys get any emotional bump when Nagy went to bat for Deion Bush and uh, kind of made it how aggressively he made it known to the officials that he completely disagreed with the way you guys were being treated? Because it seemed to me that emotion emotions raised a little bit after that. It just felt good that, that the coach cares as much as us. I think that's that's meaningful to just any any relationship that you have. And when he does that, we go show him that we got your back on the field too. For many people, it's like, oh, there's nothing left. But for you and some of your other guys that got some opportunity, you're just starting your season, <laughs> you know, in a sense. Uh, not to dismiss what you, you did do in practice and what you've done throughout the course of your time to get ready, but – uh, do you feel re-energized as a guy, and do you feel the team will also carry that bump into the into the rest of these three games? I think the team is just going to do that, just mainly because of the opportunity. Uh, I would say it was big on our team this year, just because of the injuries. Like we've seen a lot of our players go down from Khalil Mack to DHC just for season-ending injuries. So it's just kind of just like everybody, just like wow, like this can get taken out somehow, some way. Majority of everybody has missed some either time at the facility or what's saying either due to COVID or due to injury. So it was just more our focus is and just take advantage of this opportunity. But for me, I do feel a little more re-energized just because I'm actually able to, to go out there on Sundays and suit up. That was, it's just for me, it's a dream come true. And it's just like take advantage and enjoy each moment because you never know when I'm going to get it again. Thomas, when you got a young group of corners on that team and some guys have experience, some guys are just getting experience. 
when you come off the field this past week and the offense is on the field, who did you gravitate towards or who kind of, you know, was your comfort zone to stay prepared to get back out there? Um, I was around Kendall, uh, Tease, and Bush, um, and Marquis just to start in like five and nickel. Uh, and we were just all just around each other, just giving each other motivation, telling each other what we've seen out there, communicating on certain routes. Uh, and, and I'll probably say Kendall, but Kendall was, I was that way all year with Kendall from, from game one to now. Um, when he came off the field, I always asked him what he seen, what he would like me to see and stuff like that. So it was kind of just good to take the field and now I can tell him what I see too. All right. We got to get into your background a little bit. So you're, you're California cool. You got that uh, California blood in you. Uh, you got parents that it sounds like your parents, Thomas Sr. and your mom, Tamisha. Is that how you pronounce her name? Yes, sir. Uh, they demanded excellence from you and your sister. And your sister is a great athlete in her own right. Jasmine, uh, an elite hurdler in college. Now, I haven't followed up on that, where she's at, what she's doing. But, you know, what did these uh, parents of yours impress upon you? And, and do you think they've made a difference in you getting to the NFL? Uh, I think I can't get here without um, all three of them uh, in three different ways. Uh, my mom, just for... She gave me the fight to never quit. Um, she's probably went through the most trauma and throughout, I say, all of us um, when it comes to losses, when it comes to when it happened, uh, and just when it comes to actually truly having a family uh, aspect and dynamic um, just because certain stuff that had happened in her life. <clears throat> My dad was just because he surrounded, he made sure to always surround me with excellence uh, when it came to being a kid, no matter what. Uh, every age of life that I've been around, I've seen somebody make it professionally at the next level. He made sure that I seen that. So I've always had great and good role models in my sister because I was the one person that I could never, I, no matter what I did, I could never be. I get an A in school, she gets an A plus. We on the track, I run a PR, she breaks a national record. So it was just like nothing I ever did was ever to be able to match her. And I, I finally, I can say I can, but to me, uh, she's the greatest thing ever to me. That's my role model. Who's faster on a flat surface over a 60 yard distance? Over a 60-yard distance, me. But if you throw any hurdle and any obstacle, she she probably for sure will win. Right. Um, but right now, she's actually the sprint coach at the University of New Mexico. Oh, um, wow. Fantastic. So this athleticism is in this family, clearly. Hey, yes, yes, it is. Some good stuff. So, Team Graham, you fill in the phrase. What do Grahams do? Give 110%. <laughs> that is the theme, right? And that, that came from <laughs> yes. your pops? Uh, yes, how, how long have you been hearing that? Since I can remember, um, I remember going to youth football games, going to track meets, basketball tournaments as a kid, just anything we did. Sometimes, like, if he took us to school, because it was usually my mom, but if he took us to school, we'll say that if we on the phone with him before we left the car with my mom, he'll be like, he'll be like, who are we? Grams, what do we do? Give 110%. And it was just something we always went by, and it's something that I live by. Any like surprise contacts anybody reach out to you in a social media way after you've been on the national stage and all the success you had on monday night football uh yeah it was a lot of people but uh, i'll probably say one person that i really haven't talked to um in too long that hit me up was um uh asante samuel jr and greg newsom um both of them rookies in my class so it just kind of just feel respected uh, i met greg through the process and then me and asante um when he was a he was he's a year younger than me, so when he was in, um, I want to say junior high school, I was in my senior year. We was at a camp together. We was on the same team, so it just it just felt good to be around 
I mean, have people that are your mutual peers to, to give you that respect. Right. And definitely when they're doing that, they thing at their places too. Lombardi's product, uh, Greg Newsom here from the Chicago area. Okay, a uh, couple things to wrap us up. We appreciate all your time. like to have fun with the guys a little bit, but it, it is Christmas, so we got to go down <laughs> this path. Uh, favorite Christmas gift ever that comes to mind? I'll say my favorite gift ever. I don't have it on right now, but it was a chain that my dad had got me my uh, freshman year in college. Favorite Christmas movie? Oh, this Christmas. All right. Or or Home Alone. Home Alone is a close second. <laughs> uh, if you're sitting at the Christmas dinner, what's your favorite Christmas food? I'm going with the mac and cheese. All right. Do you have a most memorable Christmas? And it may have something to do with sports. I don't know. Uh, my most memorable Christmas would probably be, it was either 2009 or 2010, but it was just kind of our whole family was all um, at our house in Reno Valley. So it was probably the last Christmas we had with everybody together. And have you done your shopping yet? Oh, even though I know my family is listening, but no, I have not. <laughs> well, Tom, Tom's always telling me there's no time for holidays during the football season, so you can take care of that later, right, Tom? Right. Stay out of all. Well, no, I don't want to say that. Yeah, Let me you just don't be get in trouble. Careful. Be careful and protect yourself. And we wish you uh, continued success. You got a bright future, Thomas. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's Thomas Graham Jr., our guest. Tom and I will continue our conversation with Michael Bumpus, a former NFL receiver and pre- and post-game host for the Seattle Seahawks Radio Network. When we return on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Download the Chicago Bears app to play our new predictor game, Risk It, brought to you by Bet Rivers for your chance to win $250 in free bets in a custom Bears jersey. Back on Bears All Access here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score with Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak, breaking down Bears, Seahawks. We'll get a Seattle perspective now from their pre and post game radio host and former NFL receiver, Washington State's very own. I see the, I see the, the pennant in the back. Go Cougs. <laughs> remember Michael Bumpus. Michael Bumpus uh, was a record setter in college and uh, had some time with the Seahawks and the Canadian Football League. Uh, kind enough to join us. Michael, how you doing, brother? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for uh, having me on and showing my Coug some love, man. Hey, 195 receptions. That is that still the record there? Oh, man. I held on for 10 years and then Mike Leach came and we got running backs <laughs> with more receptions now. <laughs> I should have assumed that, right? <laughs> uh, well, tell us about your gang. I mean, this is unusual territory. Not going to the playoffs, certainly with a uh, a quarterback like Russell Wilson. That has not happened until this time. Uh, at least a winning record. I mean, you're still alive. There are 27 teams still alive. You know, it's 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 a tall order, but the losing record uh, is not something that uh, you're used to over there in Seattle. How's it being received? Yeah, unfamiliar territory over here. The sky is falling. Twelves uh, are asking for Pete to go and Russell to go. It's almost like I was telling my buddy, I'm like, you guys been spoiled, man. I mean, you don't know how good you have it and how hard it is to find a franchise quarterback. Just ask the Chicago Bears. You know what I mean? <laughs> Haven't had a quarterback throw over 4,000 yards ever, I believe. What, 29 touchdowns is the most a quarterback has thrown over there. Uh, but for the people who who aren't 12s, the guys who were, have been fans of this team before 2012, before this Russell Wilson era, they understand that this dude is allowed one or two tough seasons with the injury he has, with the movement on the offensive line, the running back position has been shaky. It's just one of those years, man, but um, they're hanging in there. They're technically not eliminated from the playoffs, which I don't think they're going to make it, but uh, it's it's weird. And then you, you have the Chicago Bears coming in. And you can't overlook them. You look at the record, you go four and 10. Okay, well, shoot, we're five and nine. You know, you can't turn your nose up at anyone in this league. So interesting times. I've been covering the Hawks for five years, never been in this situation. Michael, so when you look at Seattle Seahawks, 
Every time we come in, we probably talk about the noise for a week. How do you beat the Seattle Seahawks at home? How do you beat them? One, you don't let the crowd affect you, obviously. Uh, but this year, I'm telling you, man, there's been more empty seats than I've ever seen. And there's been more other color jerseys. I think our last home game was the 49ers. Sea of red out there. It was it was crazy to me. So, one, you got to be disciplined. And you have to force Russell Wilson to turn the football over. If you win the turnover battle, you're probably going to win this ball game. And then control the run. With Chris Carson not being in the backfield, they're going to rely on Rashad Penny. Alex Collins, and DJ Dallas. I can say those names to a Chicago fan. They probably don't know who those guys are, right? Maybe Alex <laughs> Collins because he had a good year in Baltimore. But uh, it's all about the run. And you, you can't allow Lockett to have one of his Lockett type of days where he has 10 catches for 120 and two touchdowns. Uh, you you have to neutralize this offense, who hasn't been great this year. I mean, it's weird saying that a Russell Wilson's offense, with all the weapons that they have, have not been great this year. But you hold them to 20 points. That's the key. These guys have not scored over 20 points in seven games this year. If you can keep them under 20, you're probably going to win this ball game. You bring up a great point. Michael Bumpus, our guest here on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 610. The score. I stepped on Tom here because I just finished doing the offensive statistics and the deep dive, and I thought, wait a minute. I, this can't be right because they're not dissimilar to what the Bears have struggled with. Not that anemic in terms of getting in the end zone, but it's not far off, and and the Bears run by a rookie quarterback and a, and a bunch of injuries. So, wow, I, I just I really was startled by it. Are you? Because you have yeah. talent, man. I mean, you got two of the best receivers in football, let alone Russell Wilson. That's why it doesn't make sense, right? That's why people think the sky is falling because they see DK Metcalf, who is I'd say a top ten receiver in this league. Tyler Lockett, numbers-wise, is a top-10 receiver in this league. And then you have a quarterback who's destined for the Hall of Fame. And there, But there's been some changes on this offense, too, man. You're bringing a new offensive coordinator, and I think it takes a while for those guys to mix and to blend. You lose your quarterback in the middle of the season, so the learning curve has just been increased a bit. You look at the roster, and this team looks like a Super Bowl contender, but this is the NFL. You cannot just show up. You got to stay healthy, and you got to get lucky. And unfortunately, they've been unlucky this year. You know, Michael, you talk about the effectiveness of their running game. All right, now put you in the shoes of a receiver. You're working with Russell Wilson, and you're going to go against possibly a cornerback that's starting his second game in his NFL career. Tell me a little bit about what, how you would talk to Russ, how you would go about trying to get after Thomas Graham Jr. if, if he does start after starting last Monday night. Well, you know, one, you have to make them aware, which I'm sure Russell is aware of who's out there and who has experience or not. And then you have to really communicate with your receivers. You know, the first series, you're testing them out. You're throwing those jabs. How fast is he? Does it, how quickly does he turn his hips? Is he aggressive at the line of scrimmage? So after a couple of series, you go back to the sideline. You're like, look, can we take this guy or not? Something tells me DK is always going to say he can take this guy, no matter who it is. Right. He went to be his Jalen Ramsey last week and had him beat a couple of times. Russ just threw the ball short. But uh, you have to go at the guy. Experience is key in this league. We just talked to Kobe Parkinson on uh, the Dave Wyman show today. And uh, he, he's talking about how later in the season now he's getting his feet wet, but he still feels like there's some things he has to get better at. I mean, that's just the life of, a, of an inexperienced guy in the NFL. But you test him. You, you take him deep. You take him short, you throw screens, can he tackle? You process all that information. You, you got what you got on film, but there's nothing like the real thing and being in it. So, yeah, I, I I would, if I were Russell and I were DK and Shane Waldron, man, the first couple series, I'm just going at him to see what he got. And then let DK get under his skin a little bit. You know DK likes to talk, so yeah. let's see what he does. 
Let's go to the other side of the ball on both teams. Carlos Dunlap comes in with three sacks last week after having coming into with a one and a half. You got Robert Quinn at 16. Two of these guys over 30, good pass rushers, mean a lot to their team. Is Dunlap on the map, and is he going to continue this, or was this just a one-game wonder? And when you look at Robert Quinn and what he can do to, if you if you have susceptibility in an offensive tackle, what do you think about the battle between these two guys? Um, I think it's going to be great. I just did a film session and broke down Robert Quinn, and it's amazing the year that he's having um, opposed to the year he had last year. I think he only had two sacks. Um, this guy is long, he's strong, he gets off the football, and he has great bend. That's what you want getting around the corner. Uh, he's going to give Dwayne Brown and Brandon Shell if he plays, uh, uh, a lot of trouble. Uh, now you flip over to Carlos Dunlap. One, let me say I'm happy that an 80s baby is still in the league producing. <laughs> we are a dying breed. Thank you, Carlos Dunlap. Uh, but, man, he hasn't been playing a lot as of late. There's games where he had 20, 20 reps, 17 reps, 7 reps. And I talked to one of my colleagues about it. I'm like, you know, what What do you think it is? And it's situational football when it comes to Dunlap. But after the week that he had last week, you have to see this guy. Three games left, you're not going to make the playoffs. You have nothing to hold back. Right now, you're playing to keep Russell Wilson happy and to keep the organization happy. So with these two guys going at it, man, I – the older I get, the more I love the battle in the trenches. You know, as a young man, you want to spread the ball out. And it, it's it's cute. You know, now as I'm getting older, I'm like, I love the battle in the trenches. And um, I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm just looking forward to a good game because I think both teams have a lot to play for. Justin Fields, um, I hear he's a great leader. Even kill. He's starting off his career kind of rough. He has something to play for. And Russell Wilson, man, I think we're playing now to keep Russell happy. And Carlos Dunlap can really help if he uh, if he performs. Our remaining moments with Michael Bumpus, the pre- and post-game host of the Seattle Seahawks Radio Network, high school football coach there in Washington as well. It's deep in his blood. All right, so let's get your take. You're watching all these uh, inside linebackers in the National Football League, and you got the premier one in in many people's estimation, Bobby Wagner, uh, coming down on the other side of 30 now, but uh, still getting those Pro Bowls. There's a big uh, roar here in Chicago about the fact that Roquan Smith was not named to the Pro Bowl. But there's a lot of good inside linebackers. You're shaking your head. You feel Roquan deserved it. Most definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a shame this dude didn't get 140 tackles. Um, you talk about a great Bears defense, and he's the name that, that pops out. I mean, him and Quinn. Uh, but that's 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 what happens when fans vote, though. You know, they honestly, I think Bobby's had a good year, but he hasn't had a Bobby type of year. You look at the stats, and you're like, okay, he's a Pro Bowler. But you look at the film, you know, he he's getting older. So yeah, I was I was disappointed for Smith, man. Tell us more about Jordan Brooks too. Uh, that's uh, your second round pick from a couple of years ago. As a tandem, they put up a, a monster tackle number. Yeah, Jordan Brooks. He he comes from a defense at Texas Tech where he was pretty much allowed to freelance. Right, he, he drops back. He's reading the quarterback. But now he has responsibility. And as the season progressed, you see him diagnosing plays. Right, he's reading the linemen and what they're doing. Um, he's he's setting the edge. He's a for sure tackler, and he plays with a speed and intensity that we're used to seeing from Bobby Wagner. Bobby's just older now. You know, he makes calculated decisions to where Jordan Brooks in his youth, you just throw your helmet in there and try to blow stuff up and make a play. With Jordan Brooks being here, I feel a lot better once it's time for Bobby to hang him up. Before Jordan Brooks, you know, we're looking at that second level and Cody Barton from Utah, good player, but probably a special teams guy. Ben Burkerver from UW, good player, probably a special teams guy. I think the Hawks have finally found a guy who can kind of hold down that second level once Bobby's gone. When you look at uh, the athleticism, the comparison of Russell Wilson to Justin Fields, and when you see the young Justin Fields, 
Do you see what the building blocks of success could be for him to eventually be Russell Wilson? And if, if you recognize those types of things, what is level two for Justin Fields in the pursuit of Russell Wilson? Well, let me one say, I think Justin Fields is, is a better overall athlete than Russell Wilson. Even in Russell's heyday, Russell could run. He's a great athlete. But when you have the frame, the size, and the speed of Justin Fields, I mean, he just he just looks good in a uniform, man. I think his mechanics are on point. I love watching him throw the football. Um, I think for him to get to a Russell Wilson type of level, one, you need a good defense. He has that right now. I mean, wait until Khalil Mack is healthy, right? Like this defense is set and ready to go. He's on a rookie contract. He has a small window to really right. try to get this done. Um, how does he reach Russell Wilson's success level? He has to be a true student of the game, right? He has to be able to go through his progressions and then make the incredible play. Russell made a living off the pirouette in the backfield, rolling outside, tossing a bomb, all about the long ball with Russell Wilson. The way this game is going, Justin Fields is going to have plenty of opportunities to do that because this game is just opening up. You know, everyone wants to throw the ball 40, 45 times. Um, I think he has all the tools. But as you guys know, if you don't have pieces around you that are consistent, it's, it's going to be tough. Russell's had Doug Baldwin. Um, he had Jimmy Graham for a little bit. You know, now he has Tyler Lockett and DK. I like the kid Darnell Mooney. I think he's going to be good to go for him. I like Allen Robinson. He struggled with injury this year. You have a good run game. On paper, I look at the Bears, I'm like, this team might be turning a corner, man. I think people are sleeping on this organization right now. But it's all about being available, too. That's what helped Russ grow. He played 147 consecutive games without getting hurt. So when you're getting all these reps, you're getting all this experience, um, you're allowed to kind of grow faster. So if he can stay healthy and the pieces around him can stay healthy, you match him up with that, that tough defense you got over there. I don't see why not, man. I love Justin Fields' game. What's next for the Seahawks with or without Russell? Yeah, it's um these next three games are going to be really telling. I just talked to John Clayton, and he, he yelled at me. He goes, stop asking me about Russell Wilson not being here. John does not believe Russell is going to leave. Me, on the other hand, I'm like, look, if we end this season on a three-game losing streak, four-game losing streak, and you don't give reason for Russell to be here, why not? I mean, he's at the point of his career where he's done everything he can do here. He's won a Super Bowl, um, hasn't won MVP. I don't think he'll ever win one. Uh, that's just the, the luck of the draw for Russell Wilson. Uh, but it's going to be some interesting times this offseason. And no disrespect to the Bears. If the Hawks lose to the Bears, everything is, is on the table. It's just Pete's getting old. He's 70 years old. You know, if you get rid of Russ, I think, or Russ asked to get to get traded. He's under contract. He has to be here. But if he wants to go, the, the Seahawks are going to let him go. Um, and I, I think Pete's gone if Russ is gone. Pete's 70 years old. He doesn't want to rebuild. He didn't have the time to do that stuff. So, yeah, it's um, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered here in the short term. The best thing for the Hawks to do is to win and look impressive doing it to uh, give Russell reason reason to stay. Good stuff. Michael Bumpus, good luck with this, uh, awesome. this week's game, and Merry Christmas to you and your family. Appreciate the time. We'll see you in Seattle. All right, guys. Appreciate you guys. Have a good one. With Tom no Thayer, I'm Jeff Joniak. Our final thoughts. For the Bears and Seahawks, Sunday after this on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. This segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by CDW. People to get it with Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak, wrapping things up on tonight's show here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. So the injury report today, you know, Justin Fields did not practice today, Tom, with that ankle. He was limited yesterday in their walkthrough. Uh, is this a red flag for you for Sunday? Well, it is only in the fact that if he did go through practice yesterday and he re-aggravated it somehow, 
and it's more tolerable than you can go out there and play a game under those circumstances. He's the coaches, the organization, and he has to protect himself. He cannot go out there under, you know, uh, under with the physical ability to run away from what's what he's going to face in this game. So if he's not ready to play, then I hope he doesn't play. However, there's still a couple days to be able to recover. Another guy who won't be able to be in the lineup is Bilal Nichols on the COVID list. And if you're just joining us, Akeem Hicks uh, entered that list today. Recent interview with Bilal Nichols. We discussed his future with the Bears and much more. Here's a little snippet you'll hear. Sunday morning, 1030 on Bears Game Day Live on Fox 32 Chicago. And you appreciate the journey you've traveled here. Oh, yeah, 110 percent. You know, what's funny is that, uh, you know, a lot of times things don't always go as you plan. Um, So, you know, uh, just being through what it is that that we've been through as a team, that we've been through as a defense, um, you know, it it just it just kind of show your character as a player and as a person. And uh, it just kind of make you appreciate all the good times that you do have. Um, I feel like, uh, you know, everything that we're going through right now is sharpening us for uh, for a better future. And, um, you know, every day you, we just got to continue to work. And uh, at the end of the day, like tough times don't last forever. Tough people do. And uh, that's kind of like my my process on it. Uh, just continuing to just come in with the same mindset, no matter what it is that's going around me, going on around me. And uh, just continue to keep getting better and better. What do you see for yourself? What do you want to be? Uh, I want to be an all-pro player. That hasn't changed. I mean, that's been a dream of mine since I was a kid. And it's something that I definitely think that that's attainable for me. Um, you know, I feel like I have the work ethic for it. Um, and I feel like I have the promise. And, um, you know, ain't nothing going to stop me from getting to that goal. Uh, I don't care what it is. I don't care. I'm, I'm going to work to it. That's always been a dream of mine. And, and one day I'm going to reach it. No matter what it is that's going on around me, uh, that's, that's always going to be something that, you know, I'm always chasing. It took a lot for you to get here, didn't it? Oh, man, it took, it took so much for me to get here. Uh, it's crazy because, you know, you sit back and, and you reflect on everything that you've been through and, you know, everything that it took to get up to this point, it, it kind of gets you emotional, you know, because, you you know, I, I battled so many things to get to this point. And, um, you know, I, my family done sacrificed so much to, you know, help me get to this point. And, you know, I just, I just want at the end of the day, I want to look back and not have no regrets. And I just want to know at the end of the day that I made everyone proud and I said, a great example for my daughter to, you know, to for her to see how it is to be successful and how it is to do things the right way. And, you know, that's pretty much that's pretty much the type of legacy I try to leave day in and day out. So as a Delaware Blue Hen, you got a big old chip on your shoulder that you carried into the league. Is it still there or is that a dumb question? <laughs> no, hey, <laughs> hey, any question you ask is never a dumb question. But uh, but, you know, um, it's still there. It's still there. I think about it every day. I think about it every day still to this moment. And I still feel like I got so much approved. You know, I wasn't I wasn't the highest recruiter guy coming out of high school. Um, you know, I wasn't the hot, you know, the most sought out guy coming into the draft. You know, I had to really go out each and every day and grind for everything that I have up until this point. And uh, you know, it made me proud just to know that I got everything off the strength of me just grinding. Nothing was ever handed to me. And uh, so that chip going to always be there. It's going to be there for the rest of my life. Tom, what do you see as Bilal Nichols' future with the Bears? You know, I, I hope Bilal Nichols um, is willing to negotiate and stick with the program he's got going here. 
because he's been, been developing year in and year out. He's got a really nice relationship on the defensive line of scrimmage going with Robert Quinn. He's a good leader in the locker room by example. And so, Blau Nichols, you got a great future ahead of you in Chicago. If you could be an invested long-term player in Chicago, Jeff, you've seen it throughout your career. That's why guys stay in the Chicagoland area when they're done because they're accepted in their community and they're accepted into their organization. Tom, that's all the time we got. We will talk to you on Sunday. Go Bears. That's Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak. Thanks to our producers and everybody at The Score. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks to Thomas Graham Jr. and Michael Bumpus of the Seattle Seahawks Radio Network. That'll do it for us. Have a great night and Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Good night.